0: Welcome to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya, where each week they talk to photographers about what is working in their business now so you can swipe those ideas
1: and grow your business faster. Okay, welcome everyone to uh, our podcast today. We are um, going to be interviewing Dan McClanahan. And Dan lives in Iowa and started, I think, uh, Dan, did you go to college and get an actual photography degree?
0: No, I went to college.
1: Oh, good. Um, That's great.
0: I I got a journalism degree and a music minor.
1: A journalism music minor. So Dan is in Iowa, which is like a Mecca for uh portrait photographers, I feel like. And so i remember Dan most from meeting him there. But Dan has won all kinds of things, does commercial uh work and has photographed Marky Mark, who I took a picture by in Target.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Um so Dan, I wanted to I, I, I know you most recently. Um from your World Photographic Cup. Do you want to talk a little bit about that too um, and how that all started besides just being from the Mecca of Iowa?
0: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) First off, it's fun to think of this as a Mecca, I guess, because when you live here, that's not how we perceive it, but I'll take it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the World Photographic Cup is an organization that's under 10 years old, but it's basically an international conglomeration of associations where every country picks a team of their what they think is their best images from the year and then they compete head to head and try and win the cup so i've been blessed to be on the team the three years prior to this year and then a couple years ago i got to go to australia with five other americans four other americans five total and we won the cup And it was epic, and I got a bronze medal for a landscape image, which was really cool. Um, And it's not something I ever sought out to attain as a goal. It kind of just happened, and it was one of my favorite memories. That's awesome. Crazy career so far. So I'm happy to tell you anything you want to know about it. No, know.
2: that that's good. I just don't know a lot about it. I just knew that you were awesome when it came to that. And so I wanted you to like toot your own horn basically is what
0: I wanted. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm not very good at that, but I'll do whatever you want.
1: You did a,
2: you did a great job.
1: Okay. So speaking of horn tooting. Um, so Dan, tell us a little bit more about like your journey into photography.
0: Sure. Uh, okay. Jumping back to college, I started dating this girl named Alex who is now my wife and baby mama. Um, She was a graphic design student, and I realized by hanging out with her and her friends that they were way cooler than me because they were creating these tangible things that had form and function. And I was getting really disenchanted with journalism after working at a newspaper for three years, and everyone turned into a chain smoker or a binge drinker, and it was just like a high-stress work environment. Um, So I picked up a camera for fun. I just took an elective class, like my senior year of college, and ended up, it just clicked. It was the first time I was ever able to communicate art that was in my head into something tangible, because I really suck at art in terms of drawing and painting and the traditional mediums. So after graduating, um, we were supposed to move to Colorado, so I could have been closer to Matt. But the economy tanked out with the great recession of 2008 and we lost the jobs we had lined up and ended up basically being homeless and unemployed so we moved in with my grandparents because they had a little attic at the top of their house and they said you can live here for a few months until you get back on your feet and that turned into two years Uh, but during that time I just started photographing it started with like my neighbor had a senior and they said hey will you take pictures of my kid for $100, and I was like, sure, that sounds great. And then it turned into, the, it turned serious pretty quickly. Um, that was the early stage of Facebook. So, the first wedding we shot, I put pictures online, and then we booked like 12 more immediately, basically, and we kind of got sucked in pretty quickly. So, I went full time in 2009, and my wife joined me in 2010. And we've been through several phases and we're in the middle of a transition right now in terms of what we shoot and what we're trying to focus on. But for the last several years, I've split time with one leg in the commercial world doing advertising work for corporations and brands, mostly through advertising agencies. And then the other foot is a portrait studio that I run with my wife and we do seniors, families, weddings, all the typical stuff, but we try and do it as cool as we can. Meaning, like the work, the work is—I uh, don't know how to describe it. I try and make it different and like full of uh, vitality and life and color. It's kind of the undertone that makes me creatively happy. So, yeah,
2: that's awesome. I remember you telling a story um, at one conference we spoke together at where like you did like you're doing photo shoots like in the backyard of your grandparents' house while you were living there. Like, and that's <laughs> yeah, how your humble totally. beginnings began. Like totally. everyone has to start somewhere where your, gra- you know, your grandpa's hanging out on the on the deck and watching you do photo shoots, you know, stuff like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, I, I made him make it rain a few times because I was photographing <laughs> awesome. um, kids with umbrellas. <laughs> and he was just spraying his hose from the porch <laughs> in his lawn chair. So <laughs> that relationship is really cool because there's still in the town where I live today. And I think they're somewhat baffled probably that this, what they perceived as crazy hobby of mine has turned into a viable career, but it's exciting. I I try and keep them in the loop as much as possible since they've been a part of it since the beginning. And they're a big part of me even being able to do this by supporting us during that stage. So I'm very grateful. That's cool. That's a good story for sure.
1: Grandpa, make it rain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I should do that again. Actually, I really wanted, I've been convicted that I need to make portraits of my grandparents ASAP. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to line that up with my grandfather to do something um, themed along the lines of his participation in World War II, but then coronavirus hit. And now I can't see them in person, but yeah, that'll happen once yeah. once this blows over. I drove to their house. We'd drive by sometimes to just do like a call them on speakerphone and wave from the car type of thing. So Mm -hmm. I saw them from like a twenty foot distance, and it was so weird to not be able to get out and give them a hug. But it's still good to see them.
2: Yeah, that's it's a weird time for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: It is weird. So Dan, the last time we talked, just like a month or so ago, you were making a bunch of changes. Um, Do you want to talk about any of that? Have like I noticed that you. Like change the way you were doing your senior business, put put that out there. Is any of that ready to discuss or is it all still in the works?
0: Uh, It is live and it's ready to discuss. I will say I don't have any data to back up the success of this change yet because it launched basically once the social distancing mandate also launched. So, um, but so far the feedback has been phenomenal. So basically what Kai is mentioning is... Our business is transitioning from a um, boutique studio where we do in-person sales and are more based around creating finished products to me being essentially a shoot and burner. But it's not quite the same as shoot and burn. Uh, The context behind this is we have a son who's about a year and a half now who has a metabolic disorder called PKU. And that's been very complicated and expensive and kind of changed the course of our lives and made us reshift our priorities because we want to take as good a care of him as we can. So my wife has kind of stepped out largely. She's still involved, but she's staying at home a lot more to better take care of our son. And I have restructured everything to be able to function with just me as the person in the studio. And with just me being someone that still wants to pursue commercial work, because I love it. So I restructured the portrait side to essentially be similar enough to the commercial side where I could shoot a job and it wouldn't mess up my workflow one way or the other. So every session has a commission fee up front and comes with digital files. And then I still offer a print fulfillment and albums and stuff for people that want it on the back end, but it's no longer a requirement or the primary purpose. So yeah, Um, All of the the information, like the structure I came up with and stuff is on my website. So it's public. I set up everything um, using Squarespace and Studio Cloud to be automated so people can go to my site, click book now, see my availability, pick their session date, and I just receive an email with a payment, which is pretty cool. So one thing that was sweet about this is normally our first quarter is super low. Um, but now that everything is prepay up front and I'm making my my income as an artistic commission up front versus an upsell on the back end, the people that have booked me so far, I'm just getting these payments in my email for doing nothing, which has really helped uh, survive this month of not having any income. So that's been cool. I, did, I came up with the idea of uh, promotion over a weekend to try and incentivize people to book their session dates early. And I had about 10 people do it. Um, so that was huge. Granted, I still have to do that work now, but I'm grateful. But to yeah, have that, it.
2: That's probably not the hard part, right? You know,
0: right. that's the part um, you enjoy and just show yeah. up. Yeah. So my, my hourly income will be roughly the same, but I will be accessible to a lot more people in my community. And I think there's a niche where there's a need that is unfilled largely where people need to document moments, but they don't they're incapacitated to do that a lot of times by the pressure of having to redecorate their house if you hire a good photographer that's product-based a shoot turns into prints and if you either don't have space for that or don't have the means or the timing isn't right to do that in that moment then you won't document that moment and you'll miss it so the cool thing that I think this is going to turn into is families that will have me come once per year you know to do a shoot and just document the changes and the milestones and then at the five-year mark or the 10-year mark that can turn into an album. Um, But the most important thing is that they're getting those images captured and I'm maintaining those relationships. So there are a lot of upsides I wasn't anticipating to this model because initially I was very sad to change because I really felt we were great at the way we were doing things. Um, So it was a tough book to come to the closing page of, but the reinvention has been a blast and I think it's going to go well.
2: So. yeah i do I do too I mean, I think the world changes i think your your life has obviously changed a lot since the first time we met and stuff like that so um yeah I mean, I think that's all good. I think it's just a- it's a it's a journey and you're in different places along the journey at all times and you know we could have you back on this podcast in five years, and it could be a whole different story, you know so
1: yeah, thanks, Dan for sharing that. I think what is interesting, well, number one, I really honestly thought you got a photography degree. I'd, and I thought, like, you learned lighting in college. Like, you learned it in a place that no one else was learning it. So that's oh, interesting. Yeah. I
0: wish. I wish. I, well, no. I don't know. Um, <laughs> during yeah. that couple-year gap of living in the attic, I had yeah. a lot of free time. So there was a blog back in the day called The Strobist, and it was a guy named David Hobby that was a newspaper photographer that just did tutorials on how to use speedlights. And I would just dink around and, like experiment a lot. And that's how I learned. Um, and now I learn, I still learn regularly just by consuming content and reverse engineering and trying to analyze what I like and what I don't like and get pickier and pickier.
1: Yeah. What I think is cool about it is you started out in journalism and then you obviously got interested in lighting and then you are, uh, you know, really, and you really connected to the commercial world and you work in that too. And you're putting all that together for your portraits, really, you know, and I think it could turn into something more of a, almost being a like well-lit photo journalistic yearly portrait session or something like that. I think it could be something that really sets trends.
2: Well, sweet.
1: Do it. Go, go for Um,
2: it. So, Dan, so I have a question about your family portraits because uh, in our circles, you're kind of known for these like crazy Christmas card and family portraits that you do of like, you know, these huge scenes that you put together. So is all your family work like that or just a portion of it? You know, because that's what we see. That's what we see.
0: Um, I mean, a lot of my stuff is not crazy it's just clean really well done studio work or location work and then i've i've differentiated the project or the product so that the composites which you're referencing are now a term that i've trademarked called an epic portrait and those are a custom commission because they're very time intensive and i probably yeah last year i had like three um i'm really hoping to grow that though now that it's officially a thing and i view the market for that being outside of my town. Because my town is not very big and it's fairly conservative. People like the idea of creative things, but when they're gonna put something on their wall, they typically want it to be more safe and traditional. Um, but I have gotten a lot of feedback on the composite stuff. And that's the work that makes me super jazzed. Like it's the way that I feel like it's the truest form of documenting my family. Cause you get to showcase everybody's personality in one image in a way that's very true to who they are at that moment. So it started with my wife and I just making a Christmas card for ourselves for fun so I could learn Photoshop because I didn't know how to do anything when we started. So I came up with a concept that would force me to grow and we did that for about seven years and those started to go viral on Pinterest and then I had a few people reach out. So there's one family from the Minneapolis area that's commissioned me I think it's been five years in a row now to do one for their family and it's been so much fun to watch them grow up in that capacity and the mom is also a fantastic photographer herself named Kelly Klatt she does a lot of senior work but her her style is very different than my style so I think it's fun for her family to get photographed by me Um, but coming into that with understanding like why photography is important and why doing this um so in the future i haven't figured out how to market this on a broader scale yet but i'm open to advice because i think it's definitely a niche that appeals to a specific type of family and those families exist but they have to have um, that's my one product that still requires a large print to be purchased as part of the commission just because so much time and detail work goes into it it's not worth doing for an instagram
2: Yep. I oh,
1: totally no. get that. Yeah. So yeah, but I did
0: one last year. That's probably my favorite one to date. And it ended up being a 50 inch matte acrylic print in the family's home. And it's like the coolest looking thing I've ever is installed. It when
1: everyone's cooking in the kitchen.
0: No, it's um, three little girls and they're remodeling a house basically. So the mom is walking mm-hmm. down the stairs, balancing paint cans on her head and the girls are all being crazy. And the dad is like shooting sawdust everywhere. Um, and they're they're in the middle of flipping a home right now that they live in like kind of a fixer-upper so we made that the theme so it's on my website but
1: okay I'll look it up so what is one thing that you're like excited about or unhappy about like anything that kind of fires you up in the photography industry today
0: um that's a good question the thing that fires me up is also the thing that probably terrifies a lot of us. I think that our clients are getting more visually literate than ever. Like when I hang out with a senior now versus a senior 10 years ago, the amount that they know about posing and lighting and like what's good and having opinions about taste and stuff is enormously more advanced now than it used to be because they're growing up with images. Um, so the cool thing, about that is images are extremely valuable if they are of the highest quality and creativity. So right now I'm still at a place where I feel like I'm on that cutting edge with my work in my community. So as long as I can stay there, I think it's gonna be good news for my business. But it also means there's a lot more people entering the market that you know could be competition and things are changing and clients' expectations are changing. And there's way more saturation than there used to be. So yeah, I don't know if that made sense, but.
2: That made a, lo- that made a lot of sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing the same thing for sure. I mean, I remember when we started photographing seniors, you know, 12, 13 years ago, like they were just excited to have their picture taken and, and be included, you know? And like, that's not the conversation anymore, you know? So
0: yeah, I do love like as part of this increased visual literacy there's also an increased appreciation for things that are creative and unique and executed really well because people know how hard it is to do that because they try and do it themselves and they fail and then they hire you to do it so it's been really fun like prior to getting stopped by the pandemic i was having a blast this spring probably more fun than i've had in a long time photographing seniors class of 2021 just started And they're just into it and like totally game for any creative ideas. I want to push at them. And then they're coming with their own ideas and it's just been fun.
2: Yeah. Just a different process for sure. So that's cool. Um, Kai, Where do you want to go with, where do you want to go from here? Yeah.
1: So we, we talked about how you became a photographer and you actually mentioned, and maybe I, maybe I'm reading more into it. You said that you really love being a photographer because what's in your head is you can, that's what you can bring out. Would you say that um, is like the deep down reason you're a photographer or is there more?
0: Well, the reason why I'm a photographer has evolved over the course of my career and now I've been a parent for four and a half years and I photograph differently than I did previously. Um, mm. I think there's an underlying, hopefully this doesn't sound weird, but I'm just going to explain. When I try to verbalize something, I haven't really previously verbalized. But I think every time I have a subject that I'm commissioned to capture, I fall in love with them, not in a creepy, romantic way, no, but I try exactly. I try to view them the way that their closest friends view them and the way that their parents view them. And it's much easier for me to view them as a parent now that I am one. Um, so that undertone is in my work more now, because as a parent, I know The images of my own children that I love the most are the ones that show them being true, not necessarily the ones that show them being properly posed and properly lit. Uh, Smiling at the camera pictures, there's definitely a place for them, but those don't really interest me compared to images that document the truth of someone. And that's like a connection and like the capturing of a moment that's not super micro directed. Um, like the reaction to a conversation, little idiosyncrasies in posture. So yeah, that's, that's been my evolution more so lately. And I photographed or I started photographing children and families for the first time about a year and a half ago. So that's relatively new to me, but I'm very fascinated by that realm. And it's so hard to control in my previous style of precise lighting, etc. Doesn't really fly with kids. You have to, get down on their level and play with them and get what you get. Yeah. So it's a lot more natural light or simple light and just seeing what happens. So my journey is evolving, but I think the undertone, I'm definitely a creative, like I'm in this profession for passion over money, but I know that money is necessary for me to continue doing this for passion, but I would consider myself an artist over a business person for sure. And if, if I was ever, if I was in this for money, it's way too stressful of a career for the money that you can make. I would just get a sweet office job with good health insurance. But um, (laughs) it it makes me like every time I shoot, basically I get the buzz. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting.
2: It'll be interesting to see how you evolve too. When okay, so like you photograph teenagers now, but you don't have a teenager. So then, you know, in, in 10 years, you're going to have a teenager, not to, you know, knock you out of your seat or anything, but in 10 years, you're going to have a teenager and it'll be interesting to see how you view it. Like, are you even more passionate about it? Are now the little like nuances of teenagers and now are you annoyed because you live with one? You know, it'll be, it'll, it'll be cool yeah, to see how the journey I'm sure goes. It'll
0: be, I'm sure it'll be both. And that's always been a natural market for me because I still feel like a teenager in my own mind. <laughs> like I'm still so sure. really into music and I like to eat tacos. Yeah, Kaya, even though I'm, no. I'm going gray and I'm turning old, so they're no longer perceiving me as a peer, but I still can relate to them in that way. I think so. Yeah, Kaya, we years, should just be we time. should just
2: be quiet for a couple seconds and let Dan describe what he thinks teenagers are, because <laughs> what we know we know that he thinks all teenagers eat tacos now. So.
0: <laughs> well, I don't you know. know, not the vegan ones. You can get that <laughs> vegan taco substitute, but it's not the same. It is not. But I feel like senior boys, like I speak to female photographers a lot that struggle to photograph senior boys. And I think it's the opposite for male photographers. But that's but kind of become my niche in the senior world lately is it's so easy for me to photograph senior boys because I understand them. They're so simple. Yeah.
1: They are. They're um, hungry.
0: Yet yet elusive. <laughs> yes, they're hungry. They just want to feel Elusive understood. and hungry.
1: <laughs> just leave me alone in the basement with my... Xbox.
0: The hunger gets better once you're like 30 and your metabolism. Oh, gosh.
1: Down. Yes. Oh. I know. My son is at home. He's 15. And we're like, dude, stop eating all the snacks. Like, I'm like, you have to eat nutritious food for sure. Um, So Dan, to go back, you said that you, when you photograph people, you love them. And um, I, I've, that, I would definitely agree with that. Like I've said that multiple times and I've always afraid it sounds weird, but the reality of it is sometimes the people you photograph are irritating and unpleasant people, but you, always, <laughs> yeah. but to do a good job, you do have to figure out how to love them, you know, through the lens. Yeah.
0: And I would say that's more common in the commercial world. I photograph mm. mostly people that don't want to be photographed, like headshots yeah. and a law firm type of yeah. thing. So in that scenario, it's more about being, very efficient and respectful and making the experience not the worst. <laughs> like if they can yeah. leave and it's, it was actually pleasant, then they'll rehire you because it's difficult yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, but I haven't encountered too many cranky people on the portrait side. Typically if they're coming here and showing up, it's because they want to be here.
1: Yes. But not, they're not always guaranteed a hundred percent lovable.
0: <laughs> right. Well, it. Love is not easy, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. It's so. Especially we
0: only have one a... word for it. This is why the the Latin language has what like twenty words for love. I made yeah. that up.
1: No,
2: yeah. a- Well, it's hard to love somebody when they're hungry and elusive. You
1: know? so. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. is. <laughs> that's funny um okay so i want to ask you this question because you're you like gear i've talked gear with you a few times but um if you had a thousand dollars right now that you had to spend on your photo business what would you buy oh my gosh okay let's so, put it at three thousand dollars i think a thousand is too little
0: all right we yeah can, i we was can just say everything i want is like lenses and flashes and stuff i know me too so, I've, so been talk, talk a little bit. I've been on I probation is... for a couple of years. I haven't bought any gear for a while, but I, I currently have the Canon RF 85 millimeter 1.2 on loan from CPS. Cause I was like, I've got nothing to do. I'm just going to test this lens and it's beautiful and it's $2,700 oh. I think. Yeah. So currently I'm addicted to that, but I've always been a big believer in investing in light first and then glass second and then everything else after that.
1: Okay. So why you can, so you why can take did- an amazing
0: picture with an iPhone if you yes. if it's lit well? That's the yeah. undertone of everything.
1: So why did you do the eighty-five one point two rather than the seventy to two
0: hundred to test? Well, because I played with the seventy to two hundred briefly at Imaging USA,
1: okay, and
0: found out from that experience that I need to buy one. So that's already on my list of <laughs> yeah, so. someday if I ever have money again. You will. Um, you
1: will. And that's the first thing that I want to buy is the 7200, the RF, because uh, yeah, it uh,
0: looks insane.
1: Uh, we bought two Canon R's and are just going crazy with it so much. Fun. Well, I will
0: for sure have to buy one before October because I booked a wedding for October.
1: Excellent. And
0: we, we quit weddings for a while to have kids. So we sold all of my wife's gear. Mm. And now mm-hmm. we're back in the game. So we have to rebuy gear, which kind of hurts. But eh.
1: It's it's so different now. You'll be glad to have what you have, too. Yeah,
0: I'll be super glad. And yeah. I think the 85, mostly I played around the house with my children with it, and mm-hmm. it focuses fast, and it's sharp, wide open. And mm-hmm. no matter what room they're in, and no matter how messy it is, and no matter how chaotic the scene is, I can isolate them That's in cool. that moment in a way that is just exceedingly lovely. So Yeah. That's what I mean. End of that okay. at the moment. Um, yeah, I also would like to get some more flash equipment for my pro photo setup, but all of their stuff is so expensive.
1: Yeah, that's you gotta get. That's it a on hold bit. for a bit. Yeah. So, if you had a thousand dollars right now, or three thousand, whatever, what would you for sure not buy? That's photo related. You know, for our listeners, what would you suggest they not
0: spend money on? I would not buy anything that wouldn't help me make more money mm, as the good. first step. Um, that's what my wife's been really good about this. Cause I've always had a list of stuff I want to buy. I've never not actually, it's kind of an issue. Um, but <laughs> once a year it's, I present, it, that, I present that list trait. to my accountant slash baby mama. And she goes down the list and makes me, account for how every single item would benefit, taking us to the next level, making us more money, et cetera. And by submitting myself to that process, it usually eliminates at least half the stuff on the list. Because it's not actually a need, it's a want. So yeah. But right now, I mean, I'm honestly extremely content with what I have, but I will say the thing that's made the biggest difference in the last five years for me, is switching to a mirrorless camera, the Canon R. The focus is so accurate and so quick and so sharp compared to the 5D series. It's like a real night and day game changer. So if you haven't tried that yet, I would highly recommend it. And I'm mostly using mine with adapted lenses. So I'm using my old EF lenses with the $100 adapter on the R body. And the R, if you get it on sale, it's like $1,900, so it's super cheap too.
1: I found it for fifteen hundred online oh, just like man. a month ago. I know. I Did you buy I it? went to the eye doctor because my Canon five five uh, D Mark Four was never in focus. It's like something is wrong with me. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, Canon R I always beautiful.
0: struggled with that too. And I ended up I switched to Sony. Well, I had a Sony slash Canon hybrid kit for a couple of years just because sometimes I needed the focusing speed and the eye detection for certain types of work. So I was using a Sony adapting my Canon lenses to it. Huh. And then as, as soon as I tested the R, I sold the Sony mm-hmm. immediately just because it felt so much more intuitive yeah. to me. The Sony always kind of felt like trying to fly a spaceship that didn't come with an instruction manual. Like the, the menu system and all the navigation was very counterintuitive to me.
1: Yeah. So that makes
0: sense. If you're used to Canon, the R does everything that you need from a Sony, so don't sell all your stuff and switch until you try it, because you can save a ton of money. It was like a year or two ago at Sync, was that the year that Dan Rowe, I yeah. think, spoke and shared about his Sony stuff, and like 30 people sold all their Canon stuff and switched to Sony like that week. Wow. Yeah. And then a month after that, the R came out, and I was like, oh, you guys...
1: So,
2: so, so no so that's that's great that's a great transition to the next question I want to ask. Okay you <laughs> so, so speaking of that exact situation, what is the best advice you've ever received?
0: Like for photography?
2: yeah or, any, or it can be in life You know it could be something your wife told you. I don't know
0: oh, that's that's heavy.
2: You can say, you can say pass and we can move on to something lighter if you we want. Come I, got
0: back. On that. Um, <laughs>
2: that,
1: I was like, wow, that was a crazy transition.
2: Well, Dan Rowe gave people advice and then I just changed it. That was right terrible
1: to... advice, right? <laughs> Not, nothing no, I mean, it you. was,
0: it was nothing great advice in, in the moment,
1: Yes, but mm-hmm. it turned
0: into no longer necessary like yes. a month after that, which goes wow. to show, I don't know. How fast our world moves. You have is not that important compared to the depth of life advice. Um, I think (laughs) I was raised with a really strong work ethic and like a deep understanding of committing to things um, both in relationships and in the attainment of goals, like starting a studio is a terrifying, exhausting, stressful thing to do, but having that um, foundation of, work ethic and commitment has been huge. I think it's gotten me through a lot in life. And that's not a specific answer to your question. But that's no, the No, but it thing answers the of. next
1: one. So yeah, that, no, that's really good. So I want to ask you about a crazy shoot because I feel like we, this has been kind of a serious conversation in a lot of ways, which I think is good, but I think you, you know, you were talking about how you, um, when you photograph people, you love them, you want to bring out who they are, but I feel like there's also always this like thread of, um, like understated humor or I don't know, maybe overstated humor. So, like, what's the craziest shoot you've done that you can talk about on a PG podcast?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't think I've done anything that I couldn't talk about, which maybe makes me boring. (laughs) But uh, that's interesting because the shoot that I love the most changes, like, regularly. It's usually the last one that I did. Um, I used to do a lot more personal work, and I think that's the stuff that stuck with me as my favorite over time where literally I'll have an idea in my head that just has to come out and I'll just make it come out or at least I used to before I had kids I got to find a way to do that again but there's this one image that was in my head for like two years and finally I said okay I'm gonna scratch the itch my wife was going to be leaving town for a weekend so I decided to make that weekend make the image weekend and basically it's on my Instagram I think it's the last post I made but it's this guy. Well, a little backstory. Sorry, this is going to get long. There was a woman above me in my studio. She was a massage therapist, and she was there for over forty years. And she was a hoarder, in her office was like just four like, four zero. Like yeah, four zero. Her whole life, she was there. She worked there until she died, basically. Oh um, And okay. then when she passed, I the cleaning out of her space largely fell onto me. So she had this chair, like this old gross chair and then like her carpet (laughs) i was pulling out and i decided just to stick those in the elevator and take them up to my studio and build a set out of them (laughs) so i bought some wood paneling from the hardware store and basically made like this really dingy looking basement scene Um, and i made it set in the 80s because that's when i was born and i remember that era fondly in my own mind and i got some old posters like star wars and indiana jones and stuff
1: and, Baywatch. and basically,
0: yep. And Baywatch created this room that's like, in my mind, like the precursor to the modern day basement where teenagers waste away at playing video games and watching Netflix. Except rather than make that literal for today, I made it a throwback because I thought it would be more visual. So I got a box of VHS tapes and ripped all the guts out and turned them into a dress and brought one of my friends in and like wrapped her up in this VHS tape. And basically she's emerging from this VCR as like this goddess that represents the allure of entertainment. But then all this tape is wrapping around, like going to consume my friend Ryan, who's sitting in the chair, addicted to entertainment. So it's kind of like a satire on the adolescent male or the American in general. We yeah, like going to say. preoccupy ourselves with distraction. And I think we miss out on a lot of life. And it's an addiction that people don't really talk about. So, I made that image just to make it. And it's one of my favorites to this Did day. Did you just make so, it? No, I made it a few years ago. And okay, then I just okay. reposted it because the pandemic and Yeah. Netflix and everyone's talking about Tiger King. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, for I thought sure. it would be
0: appropriate. But yeah, it was a few years ago. It actually, I entered it in WPPI oh. and it got a gold, which apparently is super good. So, that's okay. exciting. <laughs> That other people like. Dan, Dan wouldn't but. know
2: because everything he touches is gold. But you know, oh. rumor has it.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't show you the bad stuff. I got hard drives and hard drives full of bad stuff. Nobody I had to dig knows. up some of my early images the other day. Oh my gosh, they were not good. Sorry, clients, if you're listening to. Well, this. no,
2: yeah, no. It's it's the journey, man. It's the, totally the journey. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, um, so, cool yeah. so
2: let, let's let's uh let's leave it there I got one that last thing awesome. I want to ask you and then we'll wrap up and that's just what kind of parting advice do you have for our audience that's listening to this it's been a fan of you for a while you know what would you tell them
0: uh I would say thanks for following along and encourage you to just make cool stuff make forward motion I think a lot of times I find myself paralyzed by indecisiveness or not feeling ready or prepared to do something. But during this pandemic, I've been reminded that just the act of doing something like all of the best stuff comes from just making that an exercise and you're never prepared or ready, but just like the habit of throwing yourself into a circumstance where you have to create is what progresses you more than anything on this journey. So that would be my encouragement to you. And thanks for listening.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Kai, you have anything else or do no, we just I let just, these people go for the week?
1: Yeah. Well, I just, uh, want to tell Dan, thank you so much. We've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while <laughs> and I appreciate you uh, letting me bug you and getting you on here because I feel like you have, uh, the way that you work, uh, uh, is a real inspiration to people where you're pushing yourself, you're trying new things, you're creating things. Um, and, uh, so I just appreciate you being on here.
0: Sweet. Well, you have to still bug me now that I've been on here. (laughs) I will. Just out of of friendship. Right. All right. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks.
2: Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you for listening to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya. Be sure to subscribe for more business strategy and ideas to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always wanted. See you on the next episode of From Nothing to Profit.